To all who come to our happy place, welcome to the No Guilt Disney Podcast, where we have no guilt about our love for all things Disney. We are three Disney fangirls who probably know more about the Disney parks than most grown women should, and we're perfectly okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know it. Hello, everyone. My name is Teresa, and you can find me on Twitter at Gertie the Dino. I'm Jane, and you can find me on Instagram at RealMouseWifeWDW. Hey, y'all. I'm Patty Holiday from NoGuiltDisney.com and No Guilt Travel, a travel agency that specializes in Disney and Universal vacations. Uh, you can find me on all socials at No Guilt Life, but mostly I'm um, on Twitter these days. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about all things Disney villains. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, This is going to be a lot of fun, I think. And I know people have their feelings about their villains. There's a lot of thought that maybe they're not all so bad, right? Uh, (laughs) What is it that we love to, we love to love the bad guy. I don't, I don't know what this is about, but um, I'll admit I got a little crush on Loki. I mean, who doesn't, right? So let's dig in to the villains and talk about what it is about these characters that we like so much. I mean, I just love them because the majority of them are jerks. And so am I. And I just really feel like these are my people. (laughs) Jane, you're not a jerk. (laughs) You're from Long Island, but that doesn't make you a jerk. (laughs) However, you do say it like it is, and I do appreciate that. So, uh, I mean, I, I have a little quote that I'm saving for later, but there is someone in our Facebook group that um, she wrote something this week, and I was like, it's as if I wrote it myself. We just became best friends. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. I can't wait to hear about that one. Uh, and what about you, Teresa? Do you like villains? Or are you just the true hero kind of person? There are some villains I really like, especially the ones who you, not that you necessarily see it from their side, but I like it when they're a little more developed and they, you kind of, you get where they're coming from. Like you get, okay, this is, this is their motivation and I don't agree with it, but I understand it. But I think I mostly love villains just because I love the villain songs in almost every single Disney animated movie. I think they're some of the most fun songs, even though it's usually just plot exposition. <laughs> but no, I think I think the villains have their place. They serve their purpose. Um, I usually will cheer for the the hero of the movie, but there are a few villains that I have a fondness for. All right. All right. Well, then let's jump in with our list. Uh, first, we're going to talk about... Um, who is your most justified or most redeemable of Disney villain? Uh, Teresa, you said this would be the villain that you'd like to see get their own Maleficent style oh, no, movie. This is too, that's too different. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, well, I have it all as the same, so I don't have two for this. So we're just going to wrap them both <laughs> up together. Uh, so who who do you like the most? Who do you want to see more from in the future? Okay, well, I broke them out um, separately. So the villain that I thought was most justified was Sid from Toy Story. (laughs) Dude, that's who I picked too. Because like, he's a kid. Like this is what kids do. It's fine. He's having a moment. He'll be all right. (laughs) Well, that was kind of my perspective on this whole thing too, is I don't know that I need, you know, his whole backstory or a whole movie based on Sid. But I I didn't choose him for that. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, Sid, I I have sons, right? And both of my sons, they're different in their own ways. And and, and none of them were Sid-like, 
but little dudes are weird and they do weird things. And so not talking about like the blowing up of the toys, um, cause that's a whole different level, but right. Even just the creativity of taking like a broken toy and not just tossing yes. it away, but like he took it and he reimagined it and he created something totally different. I mean, creepy and scary and awful, but hey, points for I, like, creativity. Made that work. That's yes. right. And, and like, they work. He engineered it, like made these things work. And I was like, wow, if you show that like it's okay to be quirky and a little dark and be curious and make new things and whatever. But like, how did that develop and evolve? So I think Sid actually has a lot of redeeming qualities. Um, yeah. I just feel like Sid, but maybe just, wasn't just take as... the firecrackers away from him. Like, right. like Correct. not play with Correct. fire as much. <laughs> well, yes. you know, that's bad parenting. So don't let your teen kid or preteen kid have firecrackers and we'll all be good. Uh, yes. But yeah, I just felt like Sid kind of is this maligned character. That's really not as bad as, you know, he is portrayed in the show. And if Agreed. I remember, isn't it um, Toy Story 3 where the the Easter egg is, is that Sid grows up to be the garbage man? I think so. Look, I know this is a really bizarre thing. Maybe it's because my family, there's six people in this house, but nothing excited me more when we moved here than to discover that garbage day was twice a week. Why? Because is I love... Not, not normal? No, everywhere else oh. I've ever lived, it's only been once a week. So the oh. fact that I could put my trash out to the curb, like it's just like this purging feeling. I can load up twice a week and throw it all at the curb. And these wonderful heroes that I call garbage men uh, come and take all of the crap out of my house and take it all away. I have a big fondness for them. So even the fact that Sid became a garbage man, I was like, yay, go Sid. Yeah. Um, so so I, sh I shouldn't mention that um, I can put my garbage out five days a week. <laughs> Stop it. Well, yeah, but <laughs> you mean your garbage men come or do you take it down to a dumpster? No, I put it outside my door and they come and get it. Wait, 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 wait. You don't I'll send you pictures later. You don't have to take it downstairs? No. You just no, I literally I take the trash like bin from my kitchen and put it outside and they come and they empty it for me. Okay, you're living the dream and I need to sell my house and buy an apartment because <laughs> I would love that. Every day just to put my trash outside the door. You don't I even mean, have to take it downstairs or to the curb. I'm all about that life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the greatest thing was when I lived in Manhattan and you would just like when you had trash, you would go in the hallway and it went in a garbage chute. That was mm -hmm. even better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, this this suburban life I have. always We've always lived in single uh, family homes and that is not the case. And very rarely. Like, this is the only place that I've ever had garbage disposal pick up twice a week. And like I said, life changing. I was like, this is my favorite Mondays and Thursdays are my favorite days of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Weird. Anywho. Okay. So that's Anywho. Sid. That's so, Sid. We love Sid. We don't think he's all that bad. But I did not pick him for the villain that I would like to see get his own movie. Um, okay. Who is I, that? I would like to see Gaston. Because first of all, I hate these like live action movies. I really just don't like them. But um if we're going to do one, then, like, let's do Gaston. Like, he's funny. He's quirky. I like to look at him. Give me a story. 
All right. All right. Teresa, who, who are you, who, who do you think is justified? And then who would you want to see in your movie? So yeah, I definitely went for the first one. I definitely went justified, not necessarily redeemable, but okay. I get where they're coming from with this. Captain Hook, because he just wanted some justice against a bratty kid who cut off his hand and made him watch while he fed it to a crocodile. Like, I'm sorry, I That's understand. Fair. Like, you want you you just want revenge. Like, I get I get that. Like I said, he's it's revenge against a child, like a, a permanent child, but still re- revenge against a child. So maybe not redeemable, but I get it. <laughs> yep, um, yep. The villain I would like to see get their own their own movie from their perspective. Uh, and this is my my personal favorite villain, so it's not surprising. And that is Ursula. Uh, a lot of that is because originally in the script and the way it is in the Broadway show is that she's Triton's sister. And, you know, then there's that whole big story, you know, about her getting kicked out of the palace and her kind of, you know, it just adds the whole family dynamic to everything that she's doing. And I think it makes it so interesting. So I would love to see, like, what what was that relationship between her and Triton and why did it crumble so much and to kind of turn her into the person that she is now? Plus, she's just also a really shrewd business person. So I think she, you know, she's just got skills going on. I, I love Ursula and I would love to see more about her. All right. I like that. I'd watch that movie. Also, I was I'd not aware. I was not aware that they were uh, siblings. So that is a nice little twist on things. I like that. All right. We are going to jump into the best villain songs. And my vote, <laughs> my vote goes to Gaston. Uh, the song where we hear all about Gaston, Gaston as sung from his little sidekick, Lefou. Um, it's just so clever, clever and so well-written. Uh, Gaston is the best and the rest is all drips. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> um, they also found a way to put in expectorating in a song, which I, you know, that's, that's a big big word to throw in there and have, you know, kind of a, a rhyming thing going on. So I, I, I got to give it, they, they just, it's so well-written and it was so also so fun to watch in both the live action. Thank you very much. I like live actions in the live action as well as in the animated version. So Gaston gets best villain song from me. So I chose be prepared. Good one. From The Lion King, because I just love this song and I love it in um, I love it in the original animated film. And I absolutely love it from the Broadway cast. And I'm going to pretend that it didn't happen in live action because I'd like to pretend that Lion King live action didn't happen. (laughs) I I haven't heckled a movie so much since Twilight so (laughs) but yeah be prepared I think that's like it's a jam like I definitely I dance it's on my running playlist I just love it like I said and that's one I think that's probably like the most expositiony of any Disney villain song but they do it so well like everything about that is so great Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so not shocking because I just admitted she is my favorite villain. I went with Poor Unfortunate Souls for the best villain song. Um, it's so fun to sing along. And like um, what you mentioned in Gaston, the lyrics from this are just so clever. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you get to the end where she's doing what the spell is, she does one. It's like max laryngitis. Like, you know, talking about actually taking Ariel's voice yeah. away. It's yeah. just 
the way they worked it in. And I think it's just, you know, it's fun to sing. It's just fun to Pat Carroll does such an amazing job with the performance of it. So I, I've always grown up just loving poor unfortunate souls being one of my favorite Disney songs. Generally. It is also a fantastic song. This is such like a hard topic though. Cause I feel like they're also good. They yeah, are. They, they really are. Yeah, no, they, that, that is one thing um, that I do look forward to is the villain song in every single Disney movie. Yeah, they're good. All right. Uh, moving on our list here. We have the best villain sidekick. Uh, <laughs> I kind of, I don't know, maybe random, but maybe it's because I am not a cat person. I am definitely team dog all the way, but I saw Lucifer as one of the best villain sidekicks out there in the original Cinderella. This cat makes me laugh every time. Uh, I just thought he was well portrayed. Um, He's just so smarmy and just such a jerk, which a lot of cats are. No offense to you cat lovers out there. Um, I felt like he had the right amount of of cattiness, but also the persona. Uh Cattiness. uh Um, (laughs) Combined there. So I gave my uh, best villain award to Lucifer. Also, hello, Lucifer. Come on, man. <laughs> See, that's a good one. That that didn't even occur to me, but I love this pick so much. It's such a good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I couldn't decide between two. Um, so I'm just going to say both and cheat a little bit because it's villains. So why don't we get to bend the rules? There you um, go. So I went back and forth between Iago from Aladdin and then the hyenas from The Lion King. Like excellent I just, choices. I yep, love yep. The, the performances for both, and I think the hyenas because you get the dynamic of multiple. Um, but I do love kind of when you get to the end, like they're his sidekicks, but they're really just out for themselves. Like as soon as it benefits them, they're just gonna go turn and do their own thing. So I do love that beyond just being there to support the villain, they like they have their own thing going on, and they're like, "All right, we're done with you now. We're not following you all the way to the end. So <laughs> get in line." So it's funny that. Um that you were between Yago and them because I went between three of uh, three options and both of those were my options Um, with the third, which is ultimately who I picked being pain and panic from Hercules (laughs) because they're hilarious and ridiculous. And that's really all I love about things and people in general is just be funny and ridiculous. And I love it. Plus I really enjoy their color scheme. color scheme hey if you can't love a villain for any other reason then that would be one that you can throw out there so there you go all right all right um who are we gonna say for our most evil disney villain uh i gotta say before covid i might have given mother gothel the vote because, you know, she locked her kid inside a tower. She kept him away from society. I mean, it's very cruel and you're stunting her her happiness and, and everything by just keeping her to herself under the guise of got to keep you safe. Obviously, right now, we're all a little bit Mother Gothel, right? We're all keeping our kids <laughs> um, somewhat. So I've come to uh, understand and appreciate her on some levels, okay? So I am now taking her off of my most evil villain list. Uh, and I ended up going with Scar. Uh, because this dude, this dude gives no Fs for anybody. I mean, he kills his brother. 
He ruins the pride lens. He makes the whole lion life look just downright miserable. Uh, they used to all be like happy, cool, chill lions. And once Scar took over, everybody is in pure misery. Um, and he did it all out of jealousy and wanting the, the need for power. And, you know, in the end, he deserved what he gets. Okay. And I don't see anything redeeming in him at all. So Scar gets my vote for the most evil villain. I mean, if you kill your brother, it's kind of hard for me to come back on, uh, come back from that one. But I have one more. I have this little special honors that I'm going to give. And this one is to the dude that kills Bambi's mama. <laughs> because y'all, we never see this person, but they killed Bambi's mama, and I have never recovered from seeing that. Never. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was awful. The worst scarred me for life. Speaking of scars, <laughs> I love the drama. <laughs> hey, have you gone back to see that movie ever? It's even no. worse as an adult. But when I was like six years old watching that for the first time, I just was like, what did I just watch? Awful. No. Yeah. Terrible. Um, so I picked for the most evil Disney villain, Frollo from Hunchback, because he's, he's pretty terrible. Creepy. He's super creepy. And he's kind of like... I don't like the word I'm looking for is not relatable, but like there are people in the real world that are like him. And for that, I'm out. Like that's just too realistic for me. Yeah, I gotta yeah. go, Frollo. So yeah, no. this was I it's same pick for me. Like <laughs> super, yeah, it's just super creepy. He's engaged in genocide. So you talk about, you know, killing killing your brother. Yes, killing your family, obviously, is like one level, but he wanted to wipe out like an entire ethnic group of people. That's right. So That's right. and then plus just he just he's a little off. He's not not all together, but he believes yeah. that everything he's doing is justified. Like he thinks that he is the only one who is in the right, which makes him, I think, you know, that makes you even more dangerous when you are just so determined that everyone else is wrong. You're the only one doing the right thing. But then you also recognize that even that you have these own creepy feelings inside of you. So you're going to take it out on other people. <laughs> Wow, I could say that that sounds like somebody. I don't, you know. But uh, we'll just move yeah. on past that. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All right, this is it. That's that's definitely a good choice, and I actually had him on my list for both of you to have in your top three villains. Like, I just I know I know you too well enough to know where your <laughs> hearts are and who you would not like the most. So I actually had them like in the back of my head. I was uh, this was my not surprised face. You know, um, I knew that. Who were the happen. other two? No, no, no. I mean, for the both of you, that that's who oh. I had. That's who my guess was. Was I was like, I bet somebody's going to say Frollo. It's going to be either Teresa or Jane. I'm not sure which one. Maybe both. And then it turned out it was both of you guys. So look at me. Sometimes I know things. Not always, but sometimes. Um, all right. We are now going to like go into the parks. And we're going to talk about the best villain in the theme parks. Now, this can be an attraction villain like the Yeti in Expedition Everest or a walk-around character or, Teresa likes to say, it's Bob Chapek. 
Clearly. <laughs> All right, so we're done with this one. Let's move on to the next. <laughs> yeah. Um, poor Bob. Poor no love around Bob. Here. <laughs> hey, he made choices. And although I did put um, close second is another another Disney exec, um, Paul Pressler. And if you don't know who he is, they do talk oh. about like he, he does he does appear in the Imagineering story. Um, but especially Disney California Adventure had their 20th anniversary recently. And if you kind of look at some of the articles that came out about it, about why it had such a troubled beginning, it is primarily because of Paul Pressler. <laughs> so mm. mine, the, the villains literally in the Disney theme parks based on how they they shaped them and choices that they made around cutting budgets and just not wanting basically doing everything they can to not have them succeed so (laughs) i went a little different direction (laughs) (laughs) well it's appreciated um (laughs) all right so my vote and anybody that knows me knows this uh that it's gaston he is my favorite disney villain in the parks uh I haven't done it recently because, well, he's not out, but it used to be walk into Main Street and go straight to see Gaston because he just amuses me so much. What I like about him is they get some really great cast members who are pretty glib with some some phrases and, and can, can really like get you some zingers. And uh, so he's always my favorite to go and visit. They were testing him once at Disneyland and I happened to be there. It was in preparation for having him come out during the Halloween party. And so they just had him kind of walking around because at Disneyland, that's what they do with characters. The characters get to stroll around and hang out. Well, I spotted him across the parade route. Yeah, and I and I booked it. I ran across the parade route to get to Gaston. My friends were like, one minute Patty was here, the next minute we see her on the other side of the parade route taking a selfie with Gaston. Sorry, but had to be done. Um, so he's yeah, he's hands down just my favorite, but I will also give a a nod to Jafar. If you've ever seen this costumed character in the park, oh, that is one creepy mofo. He is, he's, he's pretty intimidating. First of all, he's huge. He's huge, super tall. And I have, I kept looking at it, trying to figure out like where the eyes are and how this poor cast member could see anything because I'm not kidding. Like it has to be like his eyes had to be in his chest or in his neck or something because this this head on Jafar is just massive, but also the way that they have them act and the way they have them move. He's, he's creepy. And I got to meet him once at Disneyland and I was like, uh, it was the only character meet and greet that I was, I waited in line. I was so excited to see him. And then I went over there. I was like, yeah, hurry up, take the picture. I got to go. He was this grown adult was freaked out by this costume character. So I've yeah. met him uh, numerous times, and it's always the hand because uh, the hands uh, are ginormous, and the the hands and the fingers always freak me out. And I'm like, I gotta go. <laughs> Bouncing out on this one, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I chose for our best villain in the theme park, and technically, it's not inside a theme park, but the evil queen at the like snow white artist point dinner thing that I clearly don't know the name of. When I went to do that, the evil queen there was like on point. I had Mm. never had 
an interaction with a character that felt as authentic as that interaction. And I mean, she wasn't like super, super terrifying as much as like, she was hilarious in the way that the terrifying evil queen is, but I mean, everything, just every mannerism, the, every, everything that came out of her mouth, like the way she interacted with everybody, they knew this character inside and out, like I'd never seen before. So, um, and I, every time I see the pictures come up from that, I'm always like, wow, that was such a great evil queen. So I picked that. Oh, she's great. No, I've, I've actually had that in that same experience and, uh, just loved her. She was fantastic. I'll say I haven't met met that walk around character yet, but I do love it. Remi- you talking about that reminded me of over in Disneyland um, above the Snow White attraction. They do have um, the the Evil Queen kind of you know opening the opening the windows and then shutting it every mm-hmm. so often. So if you're there and you look up, like I think it's just one of those really nice little touches that that Disneyland's Fantasyland has of just kind of character references that are not in your face, but they're they're nice if you catch them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Dis- Disneyland's Evil Queen was also really good. Uh, I, I, I had a, a couple of run-ins with her as well. Uh, they're just, they're also good. They're also good. All right, Chisa, who do you have? Oh, I gave mine. <laughs> Did you? Yes. Bob Chibek. You- it was Bob Chibek. <laughs> oh, it really was Bob Chibek. <laughs> Oh my god! Look, I can give reasons for this because, again, going back to cutting the budget for everything, he only wants like existing properties in the parks. He he just hates original con, like he hates originality. And yeah, I'm no apologies. (laughs) Like I'm standing by it. (laughs) Never change, Teresa. Never change. Okay, so if if you want me to give like characters, I will say I'll say the stepsisters. The stepsisters from Cinderella. I think they're super fun. Um, and every every time, like any interaction I've seen anybody have with them is hilarious. So uh, the Anastasia and Drizella from Cinderella. Oh, they're my favorite. Yeah. See, I'm all. Oh no, they're my favorite. We need to give them a shout out because they're absolutely. And there's this. There's this one Drizella. Um, at, um, there's this one that's at, uh, at the Magic Kingdom that every time I see her, I just, she's been there forever, but she's so good. She, I will be so sad if she ever has to age out (laughs) because she's amazing. Uh, so yes, yes, that's a good call. Good, 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 good one, Teresa. I like that. Yeah. And I I will say that they are, um, they were like the MVPs of character interactions during COVID because, they would come out at the back of the castle and they talk to whoever they can see. Cause you can't actually meet them. They're up on, I guess like the balcony or whatever at the back of the castle, talking to people in fantasy land and they wear like mic packs and they will talk to you. Like they're like, cause we did um, Halloween when we went as the um, Alice in Wonderland group and they were like, what's, what's happening? Cause my friend was dressed as Alice and they called her the maid and they were like, what is the maid, what is the maid doing down there? Like, but such great interaction. That's funny. That's funny. 
Um, and so since we're on the topic of theme parks, I was curious when I was looking up this, I know for the longest time, there have always been people talking about, you know, the rumored Dark Kingdom Park or land within Magic Kingdom that was supposed to be, you know, overrun with villains. And I was kind of curious in going back, I'm like, how how much of this is actually legitimate? What villain things have been proposed over time? And I did see that, you know, for the most part, it seems like the Dark Kingdom is just a, a big fan rumor and that maybe there was a spark of an idea at some point, but nothing ever, you know, legitimately proposed. But there was something called Villain Mountain that was pitched as being the Magic Kingdom's second big flume ride. Uh, and they were trying to think about getting more exciting attractions into the Magic Kingdom around the time that Universal Studios was opening. And so this would have been kind of similar to Splash Mountain. And you would have been riding Hades' underworld boat from Hercules. And then guests would kind of run into these classic Disney villains before the big grand finale that had Chernabog from Fantasia. Um, and this would have been over in the area that the Little Mermaid attraction is now. And so there was this whole big thing planned and it, you know, it, it never, it never came to be. But as I was looking through that, I saw that over in Tokyo, there actually was an, uh, an attraction completely focused around the villains. So we thought, who better to come on the show and talk about this this Tokyo attraction than our good friend Chrissy. And if you're in our Facebook group, you obviously know who Chrissy is. She is one of our moderators in the group, and she's also just a, a big fan of podcasts in general. Um, so she always likes to, when she hears a new episode, kind of keep the conversation going. Um, and she's been one of my, my best Disney friends for quite a long time, so I'm always happy to have a chance to talk to her. So hello, Chrissy. Hey, Teresa, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, so why don't you tell people a little bit, I guess, about your background, um, and especially, you know, when when you were living in Tokyo, and this this attraction that is called the Cinderella Castle Mystery Tour. Sure, yeah. So I was very lucky to grow up in a suburb of Tokyo. Um, and I didn't realize how exciting it was that we were so close to Tokyo Disneyland now that I'm an adult and looking at a map <laughs> and seeing yeah. that we were not that far away from it. Um, we, I was born in Japan, uh, moved to South Korea, and then moved back to Japan when I was four. Um, so that was right after Tokyo Disneyland opened in 85. So I was born in 84. So I have a deep kinship with the park. Uh, we visited at least every year until I graduated high school. So we went a lot, a lot, lot. I saw this attraction. You know, I always wanted to talk to you about it, and I remember. So I sent you, I sent you the message, and I was like, "Hey, Chrissy, does, does this attraction like? Do you remember this? Does it have any meaning to you?" And your response was so great. You're like, "Oh, do I?" <laughs> <laughs> so what, walk people through what this, what the attraction was. Sure. Um, so this was a very unique attraction um, in many, many ways. Uh, one is that it was a walkthrough type of attraction that you're walking through with a cast member as a guide. And the whole thing was in Japanese. Um, thankfully, I do speak and understand Japanese, but um, even understanding it, it's still a really crazy attraction. So whether you understood the language or didn't, it was just nothing like at any other Disney park. Um, first of all, the thing that you really want to consider that just makes you kind of be put in this like bizarro world is that the Cinderella castle in Tokyo Disneyland is basically a replica of the castle at Magic Kingdom. So if you've been visited Magic Kingdom many times, you're used to 
walking through, seeing that beautiful mosaic, then turning right and seeing the check-in desk for Cinderella's Royal Table. Um, back then, so all the way up to 2006 when this attraction closed, you'd turn that corner and see something very different. You'd see an attraction uh, with a big gate in the front, and it said Cinderella's Mystery Tour. Um, if you watched the movies or anything, you'd wonder, what could this possibly be about? Um, when you walk through, um, there would be kind of like a like a first corral kind of area. If you think of other attractions that take in groups section by section, I can't really remember how many people were in each group, but it was uh, small enough that one tour guide could manage getting them through. Um, the first thing you'd walk through, you'd have the cast member introduce themselves and they would tell you a little bit about um, what you're going to do. You were, you're thinking that you're signed up for just a, a nice little tour of the castle. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking mystery tour. <laughs> What's the mystery part of this? Um, and the first scene that you see is like a room for a po- full of portraits. I had to kind of refresh my memory on what exactly you saw. But you, um, you would see portraits of Cinderella, Pinocchio, Aurora, Snow White, and Taryn, who was from the Black Cauldron, a very... Not as watched, maybe, maybe underrated. Maybe some people really like this this movie. It's an interesting kind of a darker one. Um, you see that and then all of a sudden everything changes and then that's what sets you up for this attraction. Um, as you go through, um, you see a magic mirror appear, the one from Snow White. So you're like, hmm, okay. Um, it gives you kind of an ominous greeting, kind of telling you what like, if you really want to know the story behind these stories, you need to meet all the characters kind of a just like that. And this is the part that you probably would just really love as a kid is that like a secret door opens and everybody has to follow through. Um, All those portraits have become villain portraits. It's really dark, kind of a dingy. I mean, you are in a dungeon, so it's very dark. You're following through. Is that kind of like where you talk about the portraits changing? Is that kind of like, I guess the, the Disneyland Haunted Mansion is a little closer where it's, you know, like the lightning strikes and it yeah. changes those portraits in that walkway. Yeah, you do get a similar vibe to that. And you're you're kind of like, well, what what what's going on here? It's a very, very simple kind of changeover, but it's very impactful because you're like, wow, what, what's going on? You go down and you see like this weird like laboratory kind of situation. You see some kind of props that you would immediately think of the villains associated with them, like a poison apple, a magic potion. You see the crow from um, Snow White, uh, not Snow White, from Sleeping Beauty. Um, That was Maleficent's buddy. (laughs) Um, It's just very crazy. And then, I mean, it's kind of a blur (laughs) in my mind at this point. I've rewatched some YouTube videos. It doesn't really help because of the quality of them, but... Um, you start to hear music from Fantasia, from Chernabog scene. Um, pretty scary. <laughs> if you weren't scared well, by that point, it's very loud. So it'd be very scary. Right. And what struck me from when I watched the video before, like, it's not just, you know, because I think people, if you've been to California and Disneyland, you might also be picturing the Sleeping Beauty Castle does have a walkthrough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you do see these different scenes, but this is, it's definitely more intense because these had like actual animatronics in yeah. there. And it's kind of not just like looking through windows at these different scenes, but like you're fully in the action. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, you, you're you really immersed in it. Everything is life-size. Um to that point, you're like, 
it's it's so dark and they really use those great illusions kind of like the first thing i think of is like pirates of the caribbean when you're in that like the cannonball scene like it just like the ceiling seems limitless you're like how big is this room i'm in it's just it's intense <laughs> you're like so for you- well, and so when you were there as a kid, was it something that it was sort of still kind of tame and mild or was it actually, you know, the, did it actually have like that creepy factor? As a kid, it was definitely really scary. But um, <laughs> as I've... But you, know, you also had, even though it was scary, I know you were talking about there is something very specific that even when it scared you, you kept wanting to go back and do this attraction. This is so true. Yeah. When we chatted about this before, um, the thing that really sticks to my memory, no matter how scary it was, you know... Um, you, as a kid or as an adult, you might have like an ulterior motive or motivation for doing something. Um, in this attraction, there actually was an audience participation sort of situation going on. Um, so as you went further down into this cavern, you really reached the scariest part, which relates back to seeing that portrait of Taryn. Um, and you see the horned king from the Black Cauldron. Um, this... I mean, this thing was huge. It was scary. The bit Black Cauldron, if you've seen the movie, um, oh my gosh, it's you're in that scene. And there's just so many effects going on. It's very terrifying. But that cast member that took you on that tour then chooses one brave person that's supposed to be kind of alike Taryn. And they get to hold up the sword of truth or destiny or whatever that is. <laughs> I can't remember the exact name, but you lift it up and, you know, these magical things happen and, you know, good defeats evil. And you know what? I was never picked for that darn thing (laughs) as many times as we went. And my cousin got picked almost every time that we went. So I was, you know, a little bitter, you know, 30 years later. (laughs) Right. You're you're not holding on to that at all. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm I'm really curious on your thoughts because we've talked a little bit about some of the similar style attractions or sil- similar elements in some of the domestic parks that are in this attraction. I'm curious in your mind, would something like this work in in like the domestic parks, or was it very much like you know? It, I'm just you know I'm curious if you think it would work well here if guests would respond to it the same way that they did in Tokyo, or if it's just more something that's designed for that audience? You know, that's a really a great question because I think certain elements of it would translate really well. Um, the fact that the show is basically the same show, you know, however many times they rotate it in a day, but with a different tour guide and with a different um, participant, you know, it's a different experience every time. So the like re, um, not ride ability, it's not a ride, but you know, the ability to, um, repeat it is pretty high. I think a lot of people would probably do it again. Um, I don't think it's one of those that someone would do, oh, one and done. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> um, but um, the thing that would definitely concern me about an attraction like this is um, the accessibility of it. It wouldn't be, I mean, first of all, like with the one that we did, it was in Japanese only. So you miss so much of the story when it's only in one language. I think maybe there might be technology to help with that. Like, like I don't know which would be like not distracting um, in that. Also, um, it's a lot of, it is a walkthrough attraction. So, you know, there's, there's not, there was not a way to experience it if you were like in a wheelchair or crutches or something, because there's a lot of steps. 
Um, however, I don't know. It, it seems like it would be a cool concept, really. Like if you're going to like blue sky it, if it was like a ride through, if it was like a dark ride and they were able to implement like more, uh, more mix of characters. So like some ones that yeah, are more popular, but also like it would be kind of cool to see those obscure characters. Cause I think like big Disney fans would love to kind of see them all together. I think that'd be really neat. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's interesting, you mentioned the point about the language. So when I did watch the video, that was something that I was like, I that was one of the reasons I was like, I'm very excited to have Christy come on here so she can kind of like talk me through what's <laughs> happening because, you know, because it is all in Japanese, which I don't know. But I did love, even if I couldn't tell exactly what, what the cast members were saying, like they were so into it and their inflection was great. So you could tell like they were really doing, you know, as, as you would expect a Disney cast member to do, who's doing any kind of like spieling attraction, you know, right. they are, they are hundred percent committed and into it. And you could tell that that got the audience into it. So even though I didn't quite know what was happening, I could still kind of get the, the tone that they were trying to set. For sure. And just the way that you described it, it kind of reminded me of like, when you have the opportunity to ride a um, jungle cruise, and you have guests on with right, you that yeah. don't know what's going on. Like, even if they don't get it, if there's other people laughing, then, you know, that can create the vibe. So I imagine that just like an attraction like that, probably some tours of the mystery tour were a little more successful than others. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on the mix of the audience. Um, so that would be kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, the opportunities, I think. Obviously, not anytime soon, but it would be something really neat to see an attraction like that. That was kind of more, it seems like they could use like a lot of the technology like that, you know, that basically they have and can develop to make an attraction that is like unique each time. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming on and talking about that. Sure thing. (laughs) All right. All right, and so we have we have one final category, which if you're in the Facebook group, you know what this is, because we did ask who your favorite villains were. And so there were votes for, there was a lot of votes for a lot of different villains. So we did have people voting for Frollo. We had Ursula, Lady Tremaine, Cruella. Um, we had the Beagle Boys, which I thought was an interesting choice. I was not one that came to my mind. Um, we also had a couple for Loki, but the the clear winner of all of this was Maleficent, which I wasn't really shocking to me. Um, a little surprising that we hadn't talked about her too much yet in this podcast yet. But Maleficent was definitely the the clear winner of fan favorite in the No Guilt Disney group. So. Um... I do want to point out the one thing. So Andrea in our Facebook group said, and I don't know this Andrea at all, but we just became best friends. Either Ursula because that eyeshadow. <laughs> uh, really, I just love anyone who appreciates the makeup of all of the villains. Or Maleficent because she's petty AF. <laughs> and low-key love that about her. And yes, Andrea, <laughs> all of the above. Because truthfully, overall, if I had to choose my favorite villain, it's Maleficent all day, every day. It always has been. And I think it's because I just love the color purple. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, they were fun. Uh, yeah, somebody um, in, in that list also put Dr. Facilier. And I got to say, not so only, good. yeah, not only was he a really like good and creepy in the movie, but he's also 
pretty amazing if you ever get to meet him at Disneyland. I had a run-in with him where basically I was like chasing him around the boat to try to get him to stop and take a picture with me. And I was like, hi, can I get a picture with you? He was like, I don't know, can you? And then he'd walk away. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like, oh, so, so this is a bit now. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. Oh, anyway. Well, those are the villains. Those are all, you know, who we love, who we want to see more of. Um, even a little bit of history there from, from Japan and and all of all of this. This is one of my favorite episodes. So thanks for, for joining us on this one. So if you want to talk about your favorite villains or you have a topic that you want us to talk about, you can join us in our Facebook group at No Guilt Disney, or you can send us an email at noguiltdisneypod at gmail.com. And make sure you keep joining us each week on the No Guilt Disney podcast, because as Patty likes to say, it's no fun to fangirl the bad guys and gals alone. Bye, y'all. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save